0: Tyler.
1: Yeah, Emma?
0: As our listeners may know, we both live in Minnesota.
1: Yes, that is correct.
0: And something that a lot of people joke about with Minnesota is the weather. I mean,
1: yeah, the weather in Minnesota kind of sucks.
0: But, you know— It wouldn't be so cold if it weren't for the wind. Okay,
1: Emma, I know that's just another dumb phrase associated with Minnesotans, but it is 100% correct. The wind makes a huge difference.
0: Tyler, I'm just, I'm just thinking, do you think it's the north wind? You know, Emma, I don't.
1: I don't really know. I can't really—I'm i I'm not always sure where the wind—like, what direction it's blowing from. I do the, like, lick your finger thing and, mm. like, try to do that, but I can just never figure it out.
0: No, I mean, like, do you think it's the old north wind?
1: Like, the animated character bad guy from this episode? I—I—no, I think he's just a character.
0: Tyler, if he was just a character, why do we have wind on this planet?
1: Uh— <laughs> I I don't know. I think it has something to do with science or something, but tree sneezing? It's <laughs>
0: Well, it sounds to me like you are a non-believer. Oh. <laughs> I'm Emma
1: Meyer. I'm Tyler Strandberg.
0: And you're listening to Keyframe Reframe.
1: On this podcast, we watch the Cartoon Network show Over the Garden Wall and analyze the plot, themes, and characters.
0: At the end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was and give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10.
1: You're listening to Keyframe Reframe. We are... Get, we are chugging along. Oh my We're so near the end. This, this is such
0: a sad, sweet episode. I know. There's so
1: much going on in this episode. There is.
0: It's, if you took a college-level English class, this episode will probably feel a smidgen like that.
1: This episode will be a very fun time. And even yes. for us recording today... It's going to be a fun time. Yes,
0: absolutely. There will be no obnoxious kids who didn't read the assignment but are talking anyway. It's just going to be us and some fun facts. And I'm just putting this off because this is a sad episode to (laughs) me.
1: I was going to say, like, you say that. How do you know that I didn't read the assignment? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this episode is the eighth one in the series, and it is titled Babes in the Wood.
0: The brothers and Greg's frog sail down a lake where they hear the beasts singing. Greg remains hopeful while Wirt has given up. They reach land and sleep under a tree for the night. Greg has a dream of an angelic cloud city where he is welcomed by its residents. The festivities are cut short when the north wind is released and starts destroying the city, but Greg manages to defeat it. The Queen of the Clouds appears to Greg, allowing him one wish as a reward. He wishes to find his way home, but the Queen informs him that he cannot return home with Wirt as the Beast has already claimed him. Greg instead wishes to take Wirt's place and leaves with the Beast. Wirt awakens and chases after them, but falls through the ice and nearly drowns before being saved by a fishing net.
1: The episode premiered on Cartoon Network on November 6, 2014 and was written by Mark Baudenaire, Jim Campbell... And Bert Ewan. Okay, so let's dive in a little bit into our things to know before. There's a lot of things to know about this episode. There's and it's pretty cool, actually. A enjoy lot, it. yes. So, the title of this episode, Babes in the Wood, is an old children's tale about two children who get lost in the woods and eventually die.
0: And <clears throat> if you'll have me, I prepared the poem for our slam poetry session today.
1: Oh my God. Emma. Did you bring
0: the bongos? I brought two beret hats. <laughs>
1: I didn't know bongos were a thing in slam Oh, my God. Okay,
0: absolutely. If you've seen a goofy movie or um, So I Married an Axe Murderer, it's like the 90s. Yeah, anyway.
1: Okay, I did not bring the bongos, but I do have my beret hats. I'll do it.
0: (laughs) My dears, do you know that a long time ago, two poor little children whose names I don't know were stolen away on a bright summer's day and left in the woods, as I've heard people say— And when it was night, so sad was their plight. The sun, it went down, and the moon gave no light. They sobbed and they sighed and bitterly cried. Then the poor little things just laid down and died. And when they were dead, the robins so red took strawberry leaves and over them spread. And all the day long they sang them this song, Poor babes in the wood, poor babes in the wood like,
1: really sad. It's
0: so sad, but it's also, like, almost exactly what happens in this episode. exactly.
1: I mean, like, literally they are lost, and they lay down and just enter death.
0: Yes, absolutely. The art in this episode is one of my favorites. I am a huge classic movie nerd, and that includes, like, early animation, and so there's a lot of things in this episode that I think are really fun, Mm -hmm. specifically in Greg's dreams. So, His dream is created to have the look and feel of 20th century cinema, and more specifically, early animation. Mm -hmm. In addition to the direct references to other movies, the dream sequence utilizes other early film techniques.
1: Such as an iris, which is a small circle usually used as a transition between scenes. In early silent films, an iris was used to draw attention to or focus on characters or objects. The welcome committees and other citizens are introduced via an iris. Right,
0: and in the episode, it's usually them, like, reacting to something, Mm -hmm. you know, which I think is so
1: interesting. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, The color palette is also particularly invocative of primitive color films from the 20s. The dream sequence is dominated by muted colors in red, turquoise, shades of gray, which recreates the look of Cinecolor and two-strip Technicolor for all you film nerds out there. (laughs) I'm a
1: film nerd. (laughs) (laughs) While key members of Cloud City are animated in dynamic motions, some of the citizens are shown to move in a short, repeating range of motions, while others don't move at all. This appears to be a parody of limited animation, a time and money-saving process by which only a portion of a figure is redrawn to be animated, rather than redrawing the entire cartoon.
0: Yes. The reception committee who has the Absolute Darling songs uh, also appeared to be inspired by the welcoming committee in Munchkinland in The Wizard of Oz, which was also a dream sequence. Mm-hmm.
1: I do love the um, the giraffe hippopotamus and monkey or something yeah! like that. I love that. <laughs> They're so cute. They're just like, they don't have any kind of unison. They're just... Like some animals, they're just, just there vibing, so having a good time. Also, what's up with that dog, too? Oh, my God. they just like, anything else? And then there's like that creepy music. And I love how Greg is just like, I think that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> like, good for him, buddy. Greg
0: remains an icon. Our sweet little sunshine he child. always
1: knows when the right time for things are.
0: Oh, yes. Okay.
1: So many of the scenes in Cloud City are directly inspired by Alice's Wonderland, the first of Alice the Alice comedies, which was one of Disney's first animated projects.
0: At the time, it was groundbreaking because it mixed together animation and live action. And similar to the structure of this episode and The Wizard of Oz, Alice is put to bed, And this is the dream sequence she enters because earlier in the episode, she goes to the Walt Disney Studio and sees people interacting with animation moving around. And then she has a dream where she's in the world. And it happens almost exactly like Wirt's dream. So Mm -hmm. if anybody is interested, I thought this was really interesting. um, Go on YouTube. The Alice comedies are totally available and your mind will be blown by how similar they are.
1: Heck. Yes, I'm definitely going to be checking that out. Yes. Um, There's also a mixture of Little Nemo in Slumberland and the Harvey Tunes show.
0: Right, again, classic, early cartooning, love it. There's also a lot of stuff about Greek mythology in this episode. So, in Greek mythology, the Anomi were a group of wind gods who were assigned to each cardinal direction. Boreas was the name of the North Wind and was described as being a violent...
1: The song that the people of Cloud City sing is called Forward Oniri and the Oniri were the personification of dreams, sons of Nyx, translates into knights and brothers of Hypnos, Sleeps, and Thanatos, death. While the title of the song refers to them as Oniri, however, the lyrics call them cherubs. The song also ends with an amen indicating that perhaps it is a hymn.
0: I think that's so interesting though that In, this is not something that I knew about Greek mythology, that there was this intertwined idea of, like, dreams and death and sleep and night all being together. Yeah. That's fascinating. I
1: didn't know that either. I think it's very, very interesting. I mean, like, there's a lot of other, like, Greek stories that we don't really know about. And I think it's interesting that they were able to, like, tie this all in Mm -hmm. into this one big thing.
0: Totally. But one space they do talk about this crew is in the Odyssey. So, in the Odyssey, the Oneri were described through a play on words as giving either false dreams represented by a gate of ivory or true dreams being represented by a gate of horns. And when you look at the ivory gates of Cloud City in this episode, it's possible to infer that this is a false dream or an illusion of some sort.
1: (sighs) Mind blown.
0: Fascinating. I mean, it makes sense.
1: Mm -hmm. So, yes, we are going to touch on that in a little bit Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I want to talk about our theme here. Death. Death. Death.
0: Death. Death. It's been present in the whole show. And honestly, like, I think on a first watch, death is not a super prevalent It's just kind of like, oh, goofy, funky storytelling, you know, and like Mm -hmm. there kind of is, but I feel like it's not what you think of first when you watch Over the Garden Wall, but the idea of Cloud City, of course, resembles what we think heaven or a heaven space kind of looks like
1: yeah especially with like the the ivory gates you know and Mm -hmm. all of that Mm -hmm. um the entire episode also focuses around greg's like fun adventures in cloud city um almost representative of like a purgatory
0: absolutely and as soon as i started watching over the garden wall through a critical theme of like searching for death being present Mm -hmm. um That was absolutely my first thought. I was like, okay, here Greg is in like a purgatory of some kind.
1: Yeah, I feel like I kind of think of it as more like a purgatory because like the queen of Cloud City comes down from these quote-unquote ivory gates, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's a passage onto heaven. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and I mean another common theme that – the creator of the show, um, Patrick McHale, talks about a lot is that over the garden wall, like every episode kind of exists on a cusp of like two different things happening. So like, of course, that's death. Mm -hmm. But here, yeah, I think everything is kind of stacking up to show that like Greg was supposed to
1: die. Yeah, it's all kind of coming together in this episode.
0: Absolutely. Well, and in the last episode, the woodsman warned Wurt not to lose hope or conviction.
1: Keep hearty in both body and spirit, and you shall be safe. From him, fall ill or lose hope, and your life shall pass into his crooked hands.
0: But in this episode, that's exactly what we see happen to Wirt as he lays down and tries to sleep.
1: And then we see afterwards how the Queen of the Clouds then states to Greg that the Beast has already claimed Wirt. As we see Adelwood growing around him, and Wirt himself has even stated that he feels like he's lost hope. Right,
0: and we know that the Beast collects lost souls, right? So in this moment, we see that... Wert is, like, giving up and ensuring that his soul will be lost, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like—and this is something I feel like we'll probably talk about more in the series wrap-up, right? But, like, Mm -hmm. I think this moment shows that, like, I don't know, maybe the boys haven't been that lost the whole time.
1: Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow, I love that. Thank you. So, Emma— Mm-hmm. based on the information we know from our fun facts, mm-hmm. it makes us kind of question like, is this a trick of the beast trying to claim both Greg and Wirt, thinking that Wirt would not wake up, and he would not, and then he would also be able to claim Greg so, what do we think? Is Cloud mm-hmm. City Greg passing on to heaven, or do you think Cloud City is a trick of the beast?
0: Here's my thing I think that over the garden, the okay I'll back up I believe that the world of the unknown is like a space that exists between life and death. And there are lots of different characters that exist within the world that kind of have to shape their own space of the world to survive in the unknown. Mm -hmm. And that includes the beast, right? So the beast survives because he takes over lost souls. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why he gets... is because he gives up, right? But I think Greg was passing away because of, like, the environment, right? And, like, the unknown is about survival. And if something like the Beast isn't going to get you, then something else will. Mm -hmm. So that's... I don't think that him being in Cloud City had anything to do with the Beast. Mm -hmm. I think it was just another world, another corner of the unknown that because Greg had not lost hope, got access to
1: Mm -hmm.
0: does that make sense it does
1: i see where you're coming from okay i think there's a lot
0: of layers no
1: i think that this is very like open to interpretation which i think it's like one of the fun parts about this show Mm -hmm. because like i was going to say like i don't that's one of the things i like about i don't really know like what the unknown is like i want to say it's like a purgatory kind of space but if so why do so many people live there right and also like when they come back at the end, why do they speak of this experience as if like it was real and they've all been there and, you know, mm-hmm. they still have this frog, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's it's a very supernatural kind of space and it doesn't really give you a clear answer. It's no like, yes, this was purgatory the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I that's one of the things I find super interesting about this. So I do interpret this that this is like the beast tricking Greg. Ooh. I think that this literary um reference was in like put in there intentionally with mm. like these like gates of ivory and I don't I think it makes sense like that they would put in these gates of ivory for like Greg to go back to the beast and then once he is back he talks to Greg right away right. and the beast is there immediately waiting for him right. so I think that cloud city was just the beast trying to trick Greg Mm -hmm. so he could claim both of them.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, in the poem that it's based off of, right, like, they both just die, Mm -hmm. right, together. Like, it's implied Mm -hmm. that, like, I don't know their death is experienced together from like the same cause you know mm-hmm. so I see where you're coming from too
1: yeah I think too like the beast knows that like they lay down and they die and he's going to claim work but I think the beast knows like oh no Greg is just tired like he's just falling asleep Greg hasn't given up hope mm-hmm. yet so like he crafts this thing yeah. so that he can claim Greg as well
0: interesting
1: Of Greg. Speaking
0: of Greg,
1: let's talk about him a little he's bit. Like
0: the key player. Yeah.
1: Um. So the claim that Wirt has given up hope and therefore the Beast has claimed him explains Greg's situation of how he's able to pass on to Cloud City and offered to go beyond. I don't really remember what the technical terms of this are. He wasn't offered to go beyond. The um Queen of the Clouds offered him a wish. That's what it was. Right. So, But it's implied. She's coming down from like a heaven kind of, you know what I mean? Right,
0: right. And like we just talked about, Greg in this moment, and really through the whole show, never gave up hope. He was just lost, but really had no way of knowing a way out without the help of Wirt and Beatrice. And
1: this can also be used as a metaphor of how Greg's carefree personality easily embraces death and does not view it as a threat.
0: (gasps) Whoa, our little... I feel like he's like six years old.
1: I think they clarify that he's eight. I'm not sure if I read that somewhere. If that was like a fun fact or.
0: Doh. Yeah. Well, Greg has always cared about Wurt and his well-being, even when Wurt was not always returning the same emotions and care for him. Yeah,
1: and Greg has shown such deep and meaningful care for many other people that he encounters throughout the series, such as, like, he's constantly suggesting that they go back and they look for Beatrice. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's caring for his frog this entire time mm-hmm. that he just keeps renaming. And even going back to the Langtree episode where he's helping out the animals in the school.
0: So we see Greg's... Very carefree personality, along with his brotherly love for Wurt. All of it makes sense why he's so willing to sacrifice himself to the beast in order to save Wurt, which is so heartbreaking. I know.
1: um yeah I mean like Greg is happy no matter what like what like no matter what situation he's in and he always just wants to seem to make things better for other people even if that means sacrificing his own life to give War another chance at his life
0: but he's just a kid <laughs> I mean I just ah uh, this episode is so heartbreaking for me because it was like clearly such an easy choice because like He's just so sweet, and he's Mm -hmm. a little boy, and he just loves so deeply, and that's just, that's what makes it
1: so sad. I know. (laughs) He's eight. I know. Little bean. Yeah, he also probably just, like, doesn't fully comprehend the severity of what he's doing. Or
0: maybe he does.
1: (gasps) Oh. I don't uh, know. Interesting. Sweet boy. See, I don't know. I think, like, with Greg's kind of just, like, easy-go-lucky attitude he's like oh yeah this is no big Mm -hmm. deal again kind of going back to the metaphor about how he might not even see death as a threat so maybe he does fully comprehend it but he's not afraid of it
0: oh oh my gosh
1: but either way it is an easy decision for him to save a
0: yeah tyler yes who was your favorite character in this episode
1: Emma, I think it's pretty obvious that my favorite character this episode was
0: Beatrice. (gasps) Not obvious.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. That was such a dick move.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay, wait. Say more.
1: Yes. Okay, so we only see her for like brief little moments in this episode. Mm -hmm. But I think those just say so much about her character and, like, who she is. I mean, like, she could have easily just, like, given up, whatever, gone back to her family, tried to figure out something else to save them. But she chooses to go back after these two boys that she cares about and Mm -hmm. look for them. And even though, like, it's scary, it's, Mm -hmm. like, she's not having it. Like, it's, it's something she cares deeply about. And I love, love, love at the end of the episode she, like, saves Greg she doesn't even save Greg she has to like convince this fish fisherman yeah <laughs> like to love save the him fish fisherman. and then like her first thing is like where's Greg you know like she's worried about him mm-hmm. and I just I love that I think it shows a lot of like how much she's grown as a totally. character and like the journey that she has been on and mm-hmm. even though it's so brief I think it's very important to yeah. her overall arc
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, who was your favorite character, Emma?
0: I think this is actually obvious, but my favorite character was Greg.
1: Okay, yes, I figured.
0: (laughs) We talked about this a lot. I think the fact that Greg, for a lot of different reasons, you know, regardless of how you view what Cloud City is, Mm -hmm. it's clear that Greg could go there because of his openness mm-hmm. and his brightness. And I think the adventure he goes on is very funny. I think his optimism during the episode is so sweet. I I really appreciate that we never see... This isn't entirely true, but, like, we never see Greg, like, break, even mm-hmm. though this is, like, a very sad and important episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I just... I love that our little sunshine child stays strong mm-hmm. in this episode. It's yeah. touching.
1: I agree. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, what did you rate this episode?
1: Okay, um I gave this episode a 9. Um, I really, really, really enjoy this episode. Yeah. Um, I think, though, like, one of the reasons I enjoy it is just because of, like, all of the themes and, like, hidden parts of it and parts that you can kind of, like, dig into this episode that make it enjoyable. Um, on the surface, it's not one that I really, like, love or, like, enjoy watching or mm-hmm. any—or, like, will revisit that often, but— um, but it's it's integral to the story. And it really, like is a huge shift in the way that things are going. And I think there's so much packed into ten minutes that yeah. it just does a really, really, really great job with this, yep. So, if I had like personally enjoyed it, I think I would have been bumped up to a ten for me, but I just didn't have that strong personal enjoyment mm, so totally it's a, it's a it's a very, very safe nine
0: mm, I love it.
1: Thank you. What did you rate this episode?
0: I gave it a ten
1: okay, I thought you did
0: <laughs> and honestly, it's a lot of the same reasons that you named, but I guess by extension. Off of what you said and also what I talked about earlier, I just, you know, anytime I'm consuming media and I can point out just, you know, with other things that I've watched and other things that I love where the creators are getting their inspiration from, I think that's really fun. And I Mm -hmm. think this episode, speaking from a literary perspective, I think it's really well done and I think it's really beautiful. But then the episode as a standalone, I think it's just really, really gorgeously developed. Mm -hmm. So... It was an easy ten for me.
1: Yeah, you know what
0: word popped into my head? What <laughs> I was, I was going to say easy ten, a slam dunkaroo, which is <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yes,
1: yes. not yes. a word
0: I've ever said in my. life. But I guess after talking about the people in Cloud City for so long, I'm mm-hmm. like. Welcome committee. I am so so
1: like, what is that weird dog sitting there? (laughs) What is the point of that? I love him.
0: That's all we have for this episode. A huge thank you goes out to producer and audio engineer, Aaron Bogan, along with their production company, Sonivent Productions, and AA Watermelons on Twitter, who made our cover art.
1: Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more people find us. Don't forget to tell a friend about the show or share the show if you like it.
0: Please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is keyframereframe at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at keyframereframe.
1: I'm Tyler Strandberg, the host, creator, and head writer of this show. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at TylerJohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven.
0: I'm Emma Meyer, the co-host of this show. You can follow me on Instagram at Emma Lee Meyer. That's E-M-M-A-L-E-I-G-H-M-Y-H-R-E.
1: Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.